Welcome into episode 70. Well, it's actually 72 because you got the pilot, which was unnumbered. And then you got the uh, the bonus episode with Ruben Brown, which was absolutely fantastic, by the way. Way back at like episode, that would have been like our third. Uh, but anyway, three, episode, I think, yeah. Episode 70. I'm going to go back and look what number Ruben was. But anyway, hard to believe. Time flies. I'm not kidding you. Time flies when you're having fun. You know what? I thoroughly enjoy doing this every day thoroughly enjoy staying up on hockey and just kind of uh you know doing your due diligence and knowing what's going on around the league and the sabers and uh the direction of uh that kevin adams has the team going in and you know i mean exciting times and it's fun uh it's 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 fun to talk hockey and just some of the shit going on around the league i mean there's some unbelievable storylines right now like you're talking about dananoff well (laughs) i mean how about uh Yes. When's the last time that's happened that you've, that you in your memory bank have remembered a player getting traded without his consent because he had a no, he had a no trade clause. He had, I think he had a 10 team, um, you know, clause where he, you know, he could have put 10 teams in to not be traded to. And uh, they traded him anyway. Now it's past the deadline. Now he's, in Anaheim without his consent. And it is not a good situation for anybody. I wasn't talking just Dandanoff, Dadanoff or Dadanoff or Dandanoff. I don't even, I mean, but Vegas in general, but yes, that whole scenario. How do you, how do you botch that? Like, so, so here's, here's what I was told. Like, so, so, because it, we're going to have Elliot on this week. Elliot has been very busy. Obviously, Monday was trade deadline. Normally, we have him on Mondays. Yesterday, he was going to come on, but he's covering this. And then today, he was going to come on, but he's covering this. Like, it's... And and I guess... So, how does this get botched so badly? Like, how can how can you screw this up? How do you make this mistake? Vegas because now the, the NHLPA is now uh, there's a lot of moving parts to this. I want to make that clear. Okay. There's a lot to understand. There's a lot to, so basically a player has to submit their list. When before the, does the team have to ask them? Is it before the season? I mean, I, I like, yes. So it's before the season. No, 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 no. I don't think it's before the season. The I team, think they, they gave him time to submit the list. And he Vegas submitted Golden Knights it. are saying, yes, he's well, apparently he submitted it. His agent Vegas submitted Golden it. Knights said that he did not submit it on time, which means that they can do whatever they want. And they traded him to Anaheim. They traded him. Dananoff is a really good player. Okay. Dananoff was traded away um, for a with a second round draft pick. Like we're talking a player that has 15 goals this year, 27 points. He got traded with a second round draft pick, which to me is a head scratcher because Vegas Golden Knights ended up getting Ryan Kessler, who has been retired for three years due to injuries. So his cap hit is going back to Vegas so they can use that for their long-term IR, it, it just adds more money to their salary so they can bring these guys that are on IR, long-term IR, off it, okay? So they're using that. And, you know, you're giving up a 15-goal score, a second-round draft pick that basically get Ryan Kessler, who's been retired for three years from, Anna, from Anaheim, and John Moore, a defenseman. Big friggin' deal. Well, this is, this is, so this is, so go on, go on, go on. And then I'm going to clarify a couple. So now, so now you're in a situation that Vegas Golden Knights is in dire straits. Like, I mean, dire straits because they had to get Dandenoff who makes three, I think he makes $3.3 million or something like that. So they get his money off the books but they also bring on a long-term IR guy in Kessler and they can use that $7 million that goes towards their cap. So they have $7 million to spend. 
The problem is Dandenoff submitted his list. Anaheim was not, was not on the list to be traded to. So this is what happens here. Just, just for clarification. So from Vegas, from, from a Vegas perspective, um, this all goes back to when they traded uh, for Dadanoff from the Ottawa Senators. So Vegas told the league that the Senators said that he had not submitted his no, his no trade list by July 1st deadline last summer. So therefore, um, he, didn't have a, he didn't have a no trade protection going with him in the trade. That's how, so it goes back to the last team. So, um, Ottawa hasn't commented yet. Like, I, I mean, I, there's obviously an investigation, so it's going to come down to this really. If, if he submitted one to Ottawa, well, how can this, how can this go? Let's paint all the scenarios because the decision's coming down today. If, if he submitted one to Ottawa, all you need to know is this. If the NHL and the no. NHLPA, if he submitted this, one, to, if he submitted, save that thought. I would need to know what happens if they reverse it. But if Ottawa, if he submitted his no trade to Ottawa and Ottawa didn't tell Vegas that, like what happens here? Like, do you know There's what I mean? A colossal like, failure in the chain of command. You don't trade a player unless you know that the list has been submitted. Dandenoff apparently submitted the list. Vegas Golden Knights feel that he did not submit the list, so they went and traded him anyway to Anaheim. They traded Dandenoff, who's a 15-goal scorer this year and almost 30 points, with a second-round draft pick to get him to Anaheim. So he so they received a player in Phil Kessel who has been retired for years. Kessler. Kessler, sorry, Kessler. Ryan Kessler, re- not Phil Kessel. Yeah. Geez. Been <laughs> retired for years, but they are buying. They are giving Ganonoff yes. and a second rounder for buying a a major cap hit uh, or cap relief in seven million dollars in Kessler. Because Vegas Golden Knights are in cap hell so what happens here's the problem this gets reversed if the trade gets reversed and dandenoff goes back to um vegas golden knights now they're in a situation that they can trade dandenoff away to another team like a arizona like a Buffalo, maybe even maybe even a Montreal Canadian, because they're going to want to trade Dannenoff to a team where they can get that cap relief, that player like Shea Weber, um, someone along those lines where there is going to be cap relief to Vegas Golden Knights. Here's the problem that the Vegas Golden Knights will put their player in. Dandenoff, if he gets traded to any team, is not allowed to play the rest of the season and he's not allowed to play in the playoffs. Is that only if he didn't submit his list on time? Yes. Or is that just because someone else might have screwed up? Like, like It's going to be a colossal failure if the league makes the Vegas Golden Knights keep Dandenoff. They are They're done. They're in, they are done for the year because they will not be able to bring Pacioretty. They will not be able to bring Mark Stone. They won't be able to take those guys back off of the long-term IR or the IR. They don't have enough money. They are, they are cash strapped. They will not be able to bring guys back. I can't wait to see how this thing plays out. And you know what else I can't wait to see how it plays out? Like, do you think all of this, like, uh, distraction, is this a distraction to the players? Because they're sitting there, I mean, they're depleted. Their lineup is depleted, okay? But they lost again last night. They lost yeah, again they last s- night. They got four nothing spanked. Four nothing. And now they're out of a playoff spot. The team ahead of them has a few games in hand still. You know, Vancouver's not that far behind them. Well, I think they have a couple games in hand and they're only four points back. I mean, 
Like Vegas, if any, okay, so there's two ways to look. This is terrible for Vegas, but this is amazing for the Buffalo Sabres in that draft pick, by the way, that they got in return for Jack. Because when, when they traded for Jack and they had that lineup, all I kept thinking was that's going to be like a 25, 26, 27 to 32 pick. <laughs> like, no. Listen, I, I, I no, saw a statistic a yesterday. I saw a statistic yesterday. I'm going to double that check that, though. Go when ahead. Jack Eichel joined the Vegas Golden Knights, they were like an 83% chance or an 87% chance of making the playoffs. Right now, after last night, they have a 43% chance of making the playoffs. It is not going well. And when, when you look at, you know, the seating in the West, I mean, they're not even in a wild card spot right now. You have the Dallas Stars. No, they're out. That won last night. They're not even in a wild card spot. That's what I just said. They're yeah. out. Yeah. So Dallas Stars have 73 points, and they're the last wild card spot. Vegas Golden Knights have 72 points. They have one less point, but Dallas has four games in hand. The Winnipeg Jets played last night against uh, against Vegas. They beat them four nothing. The Winnipeg Jets are two points behind Vegas, and they have two games in hand. Vancouver Canucks are four points behind, and they have two games in hand. Okay, so I just need to mention something here. Just a side note, because I, I hear everything you're saying. I looked up that Vegas pick. So the conditions of the pick are if I said I said it could be a 10. So if it it's 11 or higher. So first uh if the 2022 first round pick is in the top 10, Vegas will instead transfer their 2023 first round pick to Buffalo. So it's top 10 protected. I knew there was some kind of a protection on it. I wasn't sure, but I wasn't sure if it was lottery, but then again I'm thinking to myself you know, why would they, why would they, when making this trade, would they ever think that they would be potentially in the lottery to begin with? Right. So, I mean, the fact that there's even a condition right. on that pick, the like fact even, that even right there now, there should not even, there should never 11, have even been a condition on that pick, to be honest with you. You know, like in my own personal opinion, my own personal opinion, but because that, that sucks for the Sabres because who knows, who knows where that pick could end up. I mean, who knows? We saw Philadelphia a few years ago go from 15 to 2 in the lottery, right? But I think, you know, things have changed since then. Um, everyone wants to paint this on Jack, though. Like, see, there's a lot of comments out there. And I know that we shit on Jack not long ago. And, you know, that went around the, the, the hockey world. I can tell you that. But um, everyone wants to crap on Jack for this. They, you know, they're like, welcome to Jack Eichel world or, you know, yeah, this, this isn't Jack's fault. Jack. This isn't Jack's fault. And, and this isn't about them acquiring a guy that hasn't made the playoffs. And we have our criticisms here of the guy, but, but this is not about Jack. This is their team is they're in a mess when it comes to injuries. They've been all over the place. So, and, and I don't know if this off ice stuff affects him either, to be honest with you. Like, I wonder if they sit back and they're like, what the fuck is our GM doing? You know, they're talking well, about, you know, there are people talking about firing Peter DeBoer. And I'm like, why are you talking about firing DeBoer? He's got a depleted roster all year as captain and, and, and top point producers out of the lineup. Patrick Number Reddy's one goaltender out of the lineup in, in Robin Leonard. You have one of your top uh, point producers, your top left winger on your team, and Max Pacioretty has been hurt. You have your second line left winger in, in uh, Riley Smith is hurt. Who's had been having one a great year, year, by the way. Yep. You have Braden McNabb, who is a, is a huge, huge piece to the puzzle on the back end. Very big, physical, very defensive-minded um, player, but he's, he's a leader too. Braden McNabb. You have your captain, Mark Stone, who got put on long-term IR. And since they put uh, Mark Stone on long-term IR – this team has gone on a landslide going down because you know how, how great of a player Mark Stone is. He's not only great offensively, 
but he's one of the best defensive forwards in the National Hockey League. You have another defenseman in Alex Martinez. I mean, this is another top four defenseman out of your lineup. I mean, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you are the best coach in the National Hockey League. You will not win games if you do not have a, a, have a healthy lineup. And right now they're, they're relying so much on an Alex Petrangelo or, or a Shea Weber to basically get everything done on the back end. They're having a tough time. You know, Jack Eichel is inserted into the lineup. He hasn't played in a year and a half almost. So as much as he's going to be one of the, uh, you know, he's going to be a top player on the team, you need to allow this man to, to get back to his, his game shape, his playing shape. And then you have players in the lineup, in Vegas lineup, that are playing like shit. Like William Carlson. Like, he is playing terrible. He is playing under his expectations. And it's just, when you have a depleted lineup, you need players to step up. You need players to take a bigger role. And guys like William Carlson, he's playing, he's really struggling this year. So, I mean... I'll be shocked. I will be shocked right now if the Vegas Golden Knights make the playoffs. With, with what they have currently right now on this roster, it, uh, it just doesn't seem like it's a good environment right now. Um, they're missing top, top players that are out due to injury. I just don't see them making the playoffs. I got to be happy. Or I got to be happy. I got to be honest. It's a small thing. But to me, it's I can't figure out. Oh, you know what's bothering me right now? I can't seem to shake it. Is the fact that that pick has a condition on it? I'm not saying anyone made a mistake. I'm not saying. Look, I'm not. I'm not pointing fingers and saying. You know, how did Kevin Adams accept? I get it. It's like it's safety for this exact reason. It's for this exact reason right here that Vegas wanted that uh, stipulation or condition on the pick. I just, I just can't believe that when you're making a trade like that, that you actually good move. <laughs> I mean, good move. Like it's if, if they end up- right now, like honestly, are you really upset with, with the, with the stipulations on that pick? It's a top 10 lottery protected pick. This is a team, Petey, that was one of the top in the league 20 games ago. Yeah. So are you saying ago. that I should, I should be upset no, I'm about saying, it? No, if, if th- this is a pick that should have be, that should be anywhere from 25 to 32, this is a draft pick. This is a first round draft pick that should be. Right. And what happens if they continue to slide, you know, and you're sitting there and you're like, man, that could have been a number eight pick. You know, because what if we get number 11? What if you get number 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15? It's a, it's, it's an absolute no brainer. This is exactly what we would want. They're not going to drop under 10. They are not going to drop under 10 because the teams that are underneath 10 and under, they, they're not, they're not a strong, they're not a, it's not a strong group of teams. Uh, Like you got to understand like the team, uh, so we got two, four, six, eight. So the Islanders are sitting at yeah. 61 points. Okay, that's number 10. 63. No, there's 61. 61 games. 63 points. I'm looking right at it. Maybe you're looking at last year's. <laughs> no, I'm probably, no. Well, let me, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So the Islanders are 63 points and Vegas is 72 points. I mean, they're nine points ahead. I get it. I get it. Okay, fine. There's, fine. Moving on. Moving if on. We, if I, we can get it 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I mean, this it, pick, PD, it's great. Been 25 to 20, 20, th- 32. You know, 30. Yeah, this is no a great question. situation. It, no it doesn't get much better. This is exactly what we want. We want we want them to drop even lower. We want them to drop even lower, and and uh, we'll see what happens. And I'm going to so, tell you, they're in such a bad situation. I feel I really do feel bad for Jack. You know, like listen, he is he's moving on to bigger and better things to 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 go to a team that he feels he has an opportunity to win with. And listen, if this team was healthy, inserting Jack Eichel to this team 
this team would be a cup contender, but they are not healthy. They're far from healthy. And it just, I, I, you know, listen, I mean, I, I tend to watch Vegas golden Knights more now than I've ever watched them in my entire life. Only because of Jack Eichel. Same. Right. Same. Yeah. And I, and to be, I'm, I'm happy with attention. what That's Kevin Adams sure. did. Alex Tuck, we got our Peyton Krebs. We're going to get our first round draft pick and we're going to pick whoever that pick is. And I do not look back at, you know, Jack Eichel and what could have been and who won the trade. No, we have our guys. It's going great. We're moving forward. Now I wish all the best to Jack. All right. I posted some of our, uh, Darlene conversation yesterday online. <clears throat> Not, yep. I'm pretty sure you heard that. I know you probably caught wind of that. Um, some people agree with me. Some people disagree with me. But, you know, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this today. But I just, you know, I, I know that uh, JR kind of came on right at that time and we switched gears. But, by the way, that was a lot of fun. There's my ADD kicking. And that was a lot of fun yesterday with JR. Oh, my God. Um, but, uh you know, Darlene hasn't been great all year and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I just wanted to make sure that I ended, I could put a seal on that because I feel like, uh, you know, everyone's been sitting here saying that he's been unbelievable all year and I had been critical of him, but that's because I expected more out of him. There's nothing wrong with expecting more. Like it's as simple as that. I just expected more out of him, Craig. So that's where I'm going to leave that. I let you let you comment if you want to before we move on and talk about. I guess I guess who Owen Powers me, D partner Powers D partner could be. Yeah, listen. I mean, when you when you look around and you look at uh, guys like Aaron Eckblad, Aaron Eckblad was uh, you know an absolute man child uh, when he was 18 years old, and he and he played some strong seasons. Okay, strong seasons with Florida. But you look at where Aaron Eckblad is now at the age of 25, okay, or turning 26, he is a world-class defenseman. You look at Victor Hedman, how he, I wouldn't say struggled, but it took him a few years in his uh, early part of his development, okay? It took him a few years to, to get his feet under him, and then you know, things started to take off around year five. Like I, 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 you just see the progression in, in young defensemen. And you look at, you look at Victor Hedman in year five, where he had 13 goals and 55 points, 75 games. He became not only a great offensive player, but he became a, one of the best defenders. And he's been a, a, a fantastic piece for Tampa Bay, but it took time. There's so much pressure put on Rasmus Dahlin because everybody wants to look elsewhere. They want to look at Kale McCarr and say, hey, look at uh, Kale McCarr. He came into the league and he's playing like Paul Coffey. Okay. He's also on a team that is literally the best team in the National Hockey League. I think Rasmus Dahlin, I think his point totals would be absolutely through the roof if he was playing on Colorado. I never they cared about be, points. Absolutely. Never ungodly. cared about points. You know, there you go with the points again. Well, let me ask you this. There you go. With let the me points. ask you this. There you go with the points again. No, 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 no. Let's take a step back and we'll throw it in your court so you can have all the glory here. <laughs> Rasmus Dahlin, who plays more, who plays more in their zone? Kale McCarr or Rasmus Dahlin? It's an easy go answer. Go ahead and answer it. It's an easy answer. No, it's not easy. It's not easy because I just need to hear it out of your mouth. I need you to tell me. I don't have any. More I don't have any statistics. Rasmus Dahlin on the have Buffalo Sabres. I don't have any statistics. Holy shit, man. To, Are you serious? Any, you got to sit there. Just I don't the have any. Question. Hold on. I don't have any statistics to back up my answer. Yeah, okay. okay, but I don't think I need okay. any. Yeah, I don't think I need any. Yeah, I don't think you need any either. <laughs> One guy is plus 39. And another guy is minus 17. They play on two completely different hockey teams. Rasmus Dahlin. I get it. Rasmus Dahlin is playing on a team. Listen to me. He plays on a team that every game, if they go into overtime, Rasmus Dahlin's on the ice. And there's a lot of times that they, they, they're, they're, they're pushing at the end of games when they're down by a goal or down by two goals. And Rasmus Dahlin gets minuses. 
Okay. Kale McCarr is on the other end of the spectrum. My issues that's why he's with plus Darlene, and I'm not, I'm not, be, I'm this, this is like, unless you want to answer after, but I really want to throw something at you that someone brought up to me about Owen Powers, um, future D partner. Um, Darlene, I said it yesterday and we didn't talk much about it. I told you about that uh, apology forum that was going around social. Twitter's hilarious. By the way, at the end of the show, I need to read you a bunch of hilarious tweets that I pulled about uh, the Dadanov in Vegas situation. Uh, it's just absolutely comical. There are so many funny fans out there. Um, but uh, on Darlene, it was never, it was the, the pluses and minuses. That is such a deceiving stat. Okay. It's, it's like, sometimes it's useless. Sometimes it's useful. I mean, it's like, I, I don't gauge anything on plus minus. I really don't. I look at a guy's minus, if he's minus 40, you're like, okay, he's, he's got a lot of bad luck. I mean, it can't all be him. You know, you look at the team, there's a lot of factors. Okay. And I hear your plus minus argument and I hear playing in his own zone, but it was just at the, you know, up until the point where, because at the end of that clip that I put on social media, you say, you gave him a goddamn D and I laughed my ass off. And I love that. I was able to finish that, squeeze that in there. But I, at the time, and I have to go back when that was, he was, there were plays just simple simple and i i understand you're going to give me an argument but it was it was like a simple damn right i am simple plays 40 games we did that 40 games we did backdoor plays turnovers a guy tweeted us today he's like he was a turnover machine he was like he was Mm -hmm. so that is where my concern was with him and i said it yesterday and people agreed he, if he, he needs to start next, finish off strong this year for sure, but he's got to start next season. We can't afford a late start with this guy. He is a, he is the backbone to the team almost. And like you got a young guy in power coming in who simply is going to be taking on a, a brunt of the load and a huge responsibility at a young age. But, but Darlene has to be the, the calming influence. We can't still be developing Darlene in certain areas that are obvious and then also have Owen power coming in as well. Like, like, like we need Darlene a little more finely tuned before this guy gets here. Finely tuned is the wrong choice of words. More polished. That's all I'm saying is like, you know, like we we're going to have, like, I know everyone's so excited about power, but he's going to have some growing pains in this league. And if he doesn't, well then guess what? He's an anomaly. Yeah, but we're, we're, we're right now. You're tearing apart a 21-year-old hockey player. I'm not tearing him apart. I'm not tearing him apart. That was like a backhanded compliment. I was saying he was struggling well, at the time. There's many times that you've he's, talked about, well, he's the number one pick overall. He should be frigging the best player in the league right now. No, no, I, no, I never needs, said that. He is playing on a team that has struggled since the day that he stepped on the ice. And you look at four years, fast forward, we traded away a franchise hockey player in Jack Eichel. He was not in the lineup the whole year to start the year. So we didn't have Peyton Krebs. We didn't have Alex Tuck. Who did we have replacing those guys? Who'd we have replacing those guys? We didn't have them. So the team was struggling. We didn't have the offense. We didn't have the depth throughout the lineup. We have young guys like, you know, uh, Cousins, who's still working his way through. We did not have Matias Samuelson, who I think by far, by far the best defender on this, on this team. We didn't have a whole bunch of pieces but here's the thing. Let's look across. Uh, let's look across to the other side of the states and look at Kale McCarr. How oh, he's got 20 goals and he's got. Uh, oh my God! Well, that's because he's playing. Every but I never. I never game. even bring McCarr's name up when I'm talking. I know about because, it, because I, like, why would you do that? Right? Exactly. Why would you compare the two? Well, like they're they're. You take Kale McCarr and you put him on this team right now. His how many points does he have? He's way up there. He's got 71 points in 59 games, 22 goals. You know how many points he would have on Buffalo Sabres? 
half of that, half. He's not going to be playing with McKinnon. He's not playing with the Rantanen. He's not playing with Landeskog. He's not playing with uh, uh, Adam uh, um, Nazem Kadri, who's having like the seasons of seasons. He's not playing with those five guys in the power play. Every single time he's on the ice, he's playing with Nate McKinnon. They're not playing defense. They don't ever play defense. They're in the offensive zone. How easy is that guy's life? It's the greatest thing in since like Red McCarr going to get a hundred points this year. <laughs> is Kale McCarr going to get a hundred hundred points? Well, this year? How about Roman Yossi? Roman Yossi right now in sixty two games played has seventy eight points, eighteen goals. He needs twenty. He needs twenty two points in twenty games. Incredible, incredible, incredible feat. Who was the last defenseman to have stats like this that you can remember? Paul Coffey, Ray Bork. Has it been that long? It's been that long. Or, or I shouldn't say that. I, Lidstrom, know, Lidstrom was never up that high. You know, he had it like 70 points one year, which is massive. But Carlson. Carlson was the, was the defenseman where I think one year he might have had uh, 80 points, 79 points. And we were, everybody was just, they couldn't even believe that, that a defenseman in this league had 79 points. Well, like I said, you have Roman Yossi that has 78 points, but he still has 20 games left in the season. It is truly something special. Like he's on the ice 25. He's only on the ice almost half the game in Nashville. But I'll just end my point to Rasmus Dahlin. He is a 21-year-old defenseman that the the part of his game that he needs improvement in is, is just learning the situations on the ice defensively. Offensively, he is brilliant. The way he moves the puck out of the zone, puck distributors, it's got to be one of the best in the league. The power play, how he runs it, has got to be one of the top in the league. His offensive skills are excellent. His defensive skills, if he wants to be a player that's going to play 25, maybe even 28 minutes a night, he needs to be as good offensively, he needs to be good defensively. And that's... Where, where for me right now, it is really easy to go and, and um, crap on Darlene because he has made some blunders defensively. Not crapping anymore. I don't know. Like if I've like, this is, this isn't the crapping. This is like the end of it. This is the flushing yeah. of it. This is because saying I, goodbye to the crapping on it. He's, he's turned a corner. He's playing great. I just, am ex- he's I was not just playing expressing. Great. He's above great right now. Okay, the okay, way he's okay, played fine, in fine. the last 15, 20 games, he has played like the number one overall draft pick that we had all hoped for. And I'm going to tell you, I still see an upside. He's 21. What is he going to be like when he's 23? So when 24? does Marty Wilford, who gets the credit for this? Marty Wilford, the defense coach? I mean, he's, I know, this is what I know about Marty Wilford, okay? All I know is, I, first of all, I know guys that have played with him. My brother played with him. My brother knows him. Um, but he's an unbelievable guy. Okay. And that goes a long way when you're an assistant coach. Okay. But he's a smart hockey guy. Yep. He's a smart hockey guy. You know, and, uh, you know, who, who's getting the credit for this? I never hear his name come up. I never hear anyone talk about Marty Wilford. Uh, as you know, and he's the defense coach. I mean, you know, and he deserves some credit for this. He deserves some credit for being a calming influence for Rasmus Dahlin as well. Yeah. Listen, I mean, all of these coaches, I think have done a great job. I, I, I think it starts with Don Granato. I think Don Granato last year, when uh, Ralph Kruger was coaching this team for the first half of the year, three quarters of the year, Rasmus Dahlin and Henry Yoki Haru, his partner, struggled immensely. Don Granato took this team over, and he, could, he, he wasn't going to change his skating and his stick handling and his shooting. He had to change and clear what was between Rasmus Dahlin's ears. Don Granato, I don't know what was said, how he did it, 
But Rasmus Dahlin took off. Yoki Haru took off. Casey Middlestat took off. There was a number of players that played at a much, much, much higher level once Don Granado took over. You look at the start of this year, we did not have um, Sam Reinhardt. There was no Jack Eichel. There was no Rasmus Ristolainen. We were somewhat of a depleted lineup because we had not made a trade with Vegas yet to bring in an Alex Tuck or a Paint Krebs or, or, or you know, players like that. So the start of the season, it was a tough start. It was a tough start. It was a de- depleted lineup. Rasmus Dahlin has continued to improve his game and learn from mistakes. If you are not making mistakes in the National Hockey League, okay, you're not getting better. I don't care if you're Sidney Crosby, who's 34 years old. Sidney Crosby is making mistakes. He goes back to the video and he tries to fix them. So whatever Marty Wilford is doing on the back end with this defense core and what he has, has done a fantastic job. Yeah. Fantastic. That's why I wanted to bring him up. Because not only is it Rasmus Dahlin, how about how about Matias Samuelson? And and just giving confidence. I'm sure lots and lots and lots of dialogue, lots of conversations with these very young defensemen. And they are continuing to impress me as a former defenseman. They impress me because I know it starts with respect, respect the player. But also I think Marty Wilford obviously has respect from these, these men that he's, he's helping and trying to coach. Well, you know who he played with too. And I, I, and look, I mean, uh, a lot of people forget that this guy spent a year in the minors, but Marty Wilford played and was a veteran player with uh, Duncan Keith in Norfolk with the Norfolk Admirals. You know what I mean? Really? Like that, yeah, yeah. I mean, so at the time, I don't know how old he would have been at the time. I mean, that was back. That was a long time ago. Uh, yeah, so he, Marty Wilford would have been, there you go, I got to follow 27, you know, and Duncan Keith would have been 20. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a veteran guy. You know what I mean? At that point, I don't know, Wilford had been, yeah, he'd been in the minors for, you know, playing pro hockey for 10 years, eight, eight years, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's, yeah. the, you know, yeah. that's a, it's an, you get to see that kind of development and what it takes to go from being a second rounder like Duncan Keith. Cause Duncan Keith was a second rounder. Everyone forgets that. Cause he plays like he was the third overall pick, but Anyway, Marty Wilford deserves obviously a little bit of a little bit of love for that because you know people often forget the assistant coaches. You know what I mean? So, and I yep. think um, I think uh, what's his name there? Uh, Craig Anderson has been a nice calming influence coming back in the net too. He's kind of well. It's going to be interesting to see what he does, right? Do you think he'll resign? Because there were some comments that were made from Craig that just stated that, uh, listen, that, you know, his number one priority is his family. And, uh, and he's going to be turning 41 years old or if he's not already. And, you know, at what point in time hockey has always come first for all of us. Okay. Hockey was always first, everything that we did, how we trained, how we slept, how we ate, how, what we did in life revolved around the game of hockey but there's a point in time when hockey uh becomes secondary okay and it did for me it did for me i had the opportunity at age 37 to go play uh, i had a one-year contract offer to go to play in the island for the islanders and i turned it down i just for me i was not mentally able to do what i needed to do to play the game at a high level because my priorities changed. My kids became my wife who basically put her life on hold, you know, dealing with the the family at home and this, that, and the other. And I wanted to be a part of that because I was not a part of that. I was tunnel vision into the game of hockey. And there's a point in time when your family takes over and it's, it's going to be interesting to see because Craig Anderson's family is not moving to Buffalo. 
they are, they live in Florida. The kids are in school in Florida. And, uh, you know, as much as FaceTime or, or Zoom or whatever he uses to communicate with his family, it's awesome. But it's not like being with them. So it's going to be interesting. And I'm going to tell you, I would love nothing more for, for Craig Anderson to come back. I would love nothing more than to have him back for another year because I think his calming influence and maturity around this team is infectious. Guys like Craig Anderson, Kyla Poso, guys like these guys who have been in the league a long time, even Mark Pissick, I'll throw in there. Cause from what I hear, there is a tremendous amount of love for Mark Pissick on yeah, this team. I've, I've been, I've heard, I heard that directly yep. from someone the other day from yep. inside, inside the team, you know, just yeah. like what, he, you know, what he brings to the table and, and how he is with the guys in the locker room and stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I always, I, you know, every time I hear that, I, I think about guys that I played with that were like that. And then, you know, it's like, they make a difference. You know what I mean? Like they make a, they make a huge difference, you know? Listen, if you're going to have all this young, young talent, you have to surround them with veterans. You have to surround them with great, great people, okay? And uh, because this is what your young eyes are watching. They're watching Craig Anderson. They're watching Kyla Poso. They're watching Mark Pissick. These are family men okay, that have kids and the way they, they deal with life, they don't take anything for granted, okay? I always found the guys with families were different. Like, I, I, never, I never had a kid when I played hockey in the NHL, when yeah. I played hockey at all. So I always found the guys with families to just, you know, I didn't understand them. I, I, I loved them and like, they, you know, they, you learned a lot from them, but I didn't understand their day-to-day lives. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was, I was wake up, go to the rink, you know, do whatever I want after practice, you know, go to lunch with the guys, go to the mall, do what, like I'm talking, you know what I mean? That was a daily thing. If you don't have a game day, game days were routine for everybody, but if you're on a non game day and there are a lot of them, you're just like, I can do whatever I want, you know, go home, go back to bed. Yeah, like, I remember guys. Is- hold on, hold on. I remember guys when they would come to training camp and they couldn't wait till after their morning session. We were in St. Catharines, okay, forty minutes from Buffalo, and guys were like, "I'm not going home." I said, "I'm telling them we got like a meeting at like three o'clock or something." And they guys would just go to their rooms and they would sleep all day because they have the kids. And they're like, "Oh my god, I'm exhausted." Meanwhile, all the young guys are like, "Hey, what are we doing? You know, let's go for lunch. Let's do this." They're like, "I'm going back to my room and I'm sleeping for hours." It was. Well, here's the difference hilarious. between a young guy and an old guy. A young guy is the guy that was just couldn't wait to get to chefs. And would go eat an ungodly amount of pasta and red sauce and bread and oil and this and that. And if you were Roisy, you'd order the garlic bread with cheese on a game day. Yeah. Okay. And all these young guys would burn it off by the time they got back to their apartments where the old guys were going home, cooking a grilled chicken breast with light garlic on their salad. They wouldn't be eating pasta. They would have rice. You know, it, it was like with a like a like a baked potato or something like that. The, the, because the red sauce seemed to bother me as I got older, and it's just it's crazy. It's just there's so many things. You know, for an example, like when I was here in Buffalo, Petey, how many times did you see me out on Chippewa Street? <laughs> Few. No, no, I'm kidding. Never, never, no, never saw honestly. you. Well, yeah, but you know what? Neither was I, because at that point, I, you know, I, I was, yeah, no, I was still out. Yeah, you were definitely, <laughs> definitely you were. But I never, I never went out. I played three years here in Buffalo. Um, you know, the the young guys would flock to Chippewa Street, and you know what? Listen, I mean, when I was a young guy, one thousand percent, I would have been leading the charge. But when I was here, I was thirty four years old. I had, I had, uh, you know three kids at home, three young kids at home. I didn't ever go out to Chippewa street ever. It was not 
ever something that I would want to do. And I had so many of the young guys, ah, river, come on, come on, just for a beer. I'm like, not a chance, but I'm going to go drink by myself and uh, put on a nice soft, uh, you know, movie and, uh, <laughs> you know, just relax so I can sleep that night. And do you remember training camp? Change. Do you remember things the change. afternoon early in training camp? And uh, you and I hit lunch uh, on the patio at uh, Pearl Street, and we had those <laughs> those yard of beers, the big long. There was a it was a three foot tube of of beer, and they would bring it, put it right on the table. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was day drinking. Though. <laughs> we sat that was there day drinking. I'm all for that. <laughs> But that's that was at the time when I was getting to know all the players on the team, though, if you remember, like that was in training camp and we would finish our sessions, you know, at the rink and did all our workouts and our and our scrimmages or practices. And, you know, mid afternoon, you wanted to get to know the guys. I wanted them to get to know me. I would I wanted to get to know the personalities on the team. You know, I've been in the league a long time already, so I could read certain personalities and and what they were like very quickly, you know? So, but I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Oh, that's awesome. I'm just sorry. I just got caught daydreaming, reminiscing about just, it is the off ice stuff, man. It was like the, it was always the, you get into a city you know, it's, it's amazing. The same question. People ask me the same question. I went skating last Thursday, Thursday night, <laughs> you were playing poker and I went for a skate. And th- these are people I'd never met before. I knew one person and they said, come on out and skate. So I was like, yeah, you know, I waited a few weeks and finally I was like, ah, screw it. I'll go and skate. And you, you get out there and there were some kids, like some high school kids out there. Good, good hockey players. One of them actually you coached, And, uh, um, I just, uh, you know, same questions. Like, what was the best part about playing in the NHL? What was the worst part? Like, I was getting interviewed by these, like, by these kids where they were asking questions, you know, not interviewed, but, you know, they were, you're sitting on the bench in between shifts and they're, they're, they're interested in hearing about the, the best and the worst about playing in the league. And the, the one kid asked me, he goes, what was the worst part about playing in the NHL? I said, the games, <laughs> the, game, the games, you know, <laughs> and he looked at me, he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, what do you mean? Really? I mean, for me, he's like, what was the best part? I go, everything else, you know? And I'm like, and, and, and it's amazing because money was last, not last, but it was like third or fourth on the list. It was, it was the flights, even the bus, I said, I went back, I said, the bus rides in the minors were more fun. It was more fun, I think, in the minors than it was in the NHL. The NHL, you could have a different kind of fun because you had more money in your pocket and you could go to the cool clubs, you could go to the cool restaurants, you know, and things like, and you know, you were higher status, people would let you in the door, right? But in the yeah. American League, the American League to me, when, when I hear people talk about college, that's the American league to me. That was my yeah. college. I was 20 years old. You know, I was, I had a, a roommate three years in a row. Um, it well, was you, just, had, you had to figure out what, what places were expensive to buy beer, you know, like what, what Seven Eleven Bush lights, Bush, Bush lights, nothing against yes. Bush lights. I, I mean, I remember sitting with Tom Askey Luke Theoret, and I think it was Tom Askey's wife at the time, would come over and we we play Euchre till like four in the morning on a Tuesday night because you, yes. you had pr- practice the next day. You didn't play until Friday. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I, like that was the, that was the, the crazy best. thing is you went to bed at four o'clock. You, you're at the, you went to bed at four, you woke up, you showed up at 10 to the rink and you were totally fine. Yeah, you get totally there at nine thirty, you know, coffee, bagel, or whatever, and you go out and you you sweat for two hours in a hard practice, and you go home and you sleep for four hours. Yep, that was the American Hockey League. Yep, there. You know, listen. I mean, looking back at my my career, there is a lot of stuff. You, you know, what is the best? My uh, showing up on game days, being the first one at the rink, coming through a completely detailed 
and neat dressing room that the trainers had folded socks and hung the jerseys and everything was completely perfect. The whiteboard was wiped clean. Back room where you changed out of your suit and got into your hockey underwear and your running shoes and stuff, you were the first guy there. You got to make the first pot of coffee or is probably already made. You got that first cup of coffee. You could get to go sit in the back with the trainers who I respect more than anything in this entire game because they're not trainers. They're not trainers. They're life psychologists. Spending time with these men were incredible. The after the game, getting on the bus, the bus rides that we would, after a big win, driving from the, from the city to the airport, getting on the plane, flying to another city, playing cards with the boys on the bus after a huge win, feeling, feeling what it felt like when you lost and the complete silence on the plane after a loss compared to a win. The dinners on the road, the dinners on the road, how lucky we were as men, young men, to be able to go to some of the nicest restaurants around the United States, North America, how lucky we are. I mean, there's so many things and I'm going to tell you this getting into a city and going for the last part. The one thing that I don't miss at all is the game of hockey. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And that's what I said. So I said, I was like, the games, the games are the worst part. No offense. Great for the fans because they get to see it, but it's everything else behind it. I mean, you know, but um, last thing I want to ask you about uh, Craig Anderson, because I don't think I asked you this. We kind of went sideways about the veterans and all this stuff. And um, were you surprised he wasn't traded? No, not at all. I, I, you know, the day before Robert Hagg, was traded to the Florida Panthers for a six round draft pick. It's kind of what I would expect. And like I said before, a six round draft pick is, it's not very much in this league. Uh, Mark Stone was a six rounder. So, okay. Well, if you go back and we do the percentages, I think I know, Mark Stone I know. is like a, like, a but that's me just throwing in a token argument. Go ahead. Um, I really, really respect and understand exactly, I think, what, what Kevin Adams and his staff is thinking. I think he really likes the direction of the young hockey players, the Peyton Krebs, the Dylan Cousins, you know, the Casey Middlestad, even Tage Thompson, still a pretty young guy. Um, Rasmus Dahlin, Yoki Haru, Matias Samuelson, you look at players like this, are playing very well. They're playing with confidence. They're starting to feel what it's like to play in big games, the games against Toronto, the games against Vegas, the games on this road trip out West and playing in Calgary and and Vancouver. They're starting to feel what it's like to play in some big games. And they're winning. So why change that? Why say to your players, why say to your young players that we're going to, we're going to take this apart because we're a loser again. Guess what? They've been doing this for years, six, eight, 10 years. They've been doing this at the deadline. Know what they do? They trade away their players because they're not making the playoffs and they're just tearing it all down and tearing it apart. Well, right now, why not try something different? Why, why not try and do exactly what Kevin Adams has done? He likes what he sees in this group. He likes yeah, well, selfishly veterans. though, selfishly, he has to say, I, I don't want to trade away Colin Miller. I don't want to trade away this guy, Eakin or Colin Miller's guy. been out for months. Well, hold on he a second. One Here's why. And they don't want to get any, any real offer for him. But also this, if he trades them away, he has to replace them with guys. Correct. So we'd have to, he'd have to maybe deplete Rochester a little bit. And he wants Rochester to succeed. He like you know, for instance, like he sent down Casey Fitzgerald, Samuelson, and a uh, Krebs on paper the other day, so that at the yep. end of the Saber season they can go and play in Rochester. That's massive. Yeah, sucks for a few guys in Rochester who might get poofed in a roster spot, but it's not about you. It's about winning. 
You know what I mean? And it's like, that's huge. A Calder Cup is not something you just balk at. You don't say, oh, gives a shit. They want a Calder Cup. No, that's that's important. I I see a lot of value in that. I, I mean, there was a time early in my career where I thought a Calder Cup was all I might have a chance to win. And I was crazy excited about that opportunity, you know, when we when we played in Rochester and had good teams, you know, like, so I think it's important for these guys to win and play well, you know, and play longer too. Like those three guys specifically, yeah. 100%. Well, you're going to have, you're probably going to have Alex Tuck. You're probably going to have Cage Thompson. You're probably going to have Dylan Cousins that are going to be going to play in the world championships. Oh, I you're going to have Rasmus Dahlin. Yeah. You're going to have probably Yoki Haru are all going to go play in the world championships. Are you letting them go play? Or are you going to say? Percent. Yeah. thousand percent. Even oh my God. power? hundred percent. I, you would want him to continue his season and to work as long as humanly possible, just like these guys that are playing in the playoffs. I don't know. You isn't next to year a little too body. important? Isn't next year a little too important to be sending your guys like, like, don't you need Darlene to maybe after this year, take a break, take the long summer, get yourself in the best shape possible, come back to camp healthy, no. ready to go. Why do you want to risk Absolutely these guys? Not, not, not in today's, not in, not in today's game. Today's game, like I, I was one of those guys that was out in, at the start of April back in the day. It was three years in a row in Montreal where I had the longest summers of all time. And it is not beneficial for you. If you can stay on the ice, if you can stay relevant and skate, then that's exactly what you want for all your players. There's going to be a time you're going to have time to to um to rest the body rest the injuries and then get back into the training program but for me right now you definitely want these guys to play as much as they can owen power dylan cousins yoki haru um you're gonna have uh you know tage thompson's tuck cousins they're all gonna play for their countries so um owen power's deep partner when he comes here, Colin Miller or Mark Pesic? Someone brought up Mark Pesic to me the other day, and I never even thought about it before. But I mean, that's that. You know, I'll leave that to you as you as you made sure to make it clear the other day that you're the in-house defenseman here. So, am I? Okay. Is is Pesic or Colin Miller a good fit for that guy? Because he's going to be coming here at some point. I listen, I mean, I think what needs to happen is you need to, you have two players. You have one in Colin Miller. You have one in Mark Pissick. Owen Power is going to come in here. He's probably going to play. I don't know how many games to finish the season, maybe 10. And you're going to play him with one of those two players. I would imagine that Owen Power is going to play with both those two players in my mind is you just need to allow the process, allow this last 20 some games of the season to play itself out because there is going to be players. And I will say it again, there is going to be players like, you know, maybe even a Braden Shen or Luke Shen, sorry, from Vancouver, who's actually had a very good season who right now is playing with uh, Quentin Hughes out in Vancouver. So Luke Shen is a guy that I would be interested in. Eric Gabranson is a guy I would be very interested in. These two players, along with Darlene Powers, Samuelson, and Yoki Haru, these players add an element that we do not have on the back end. And that is number one, a completely defensive minded player. And number two, a highly physical player that can play a, a physical brand of hockey and to be able to be a, they're going to add to the team toughness, which I think this team needs badly, badly. We still want our high-end skilled players to be there, but we want them to be comfortable. Adding in a 
Luke Shen, Erica Branson. You're adding in guys that are six foot, six foot three, two twenty seven, and six five, two twenty. Both of them can fight. Both of them can defend. Both of them play a heavy, big physical game defensively. Both are 30, 32 years old. I think that they would be assets that the Sabres could, could get. I would be interested in, in those players like that. All right, I'll mention this too. So their tournament starts on March 25th. They play American International. So we should expect them to move on. Then they play, they play March 27th. And if they move on from there, uh, they would play April 7th would be the semifinals. You're talking about mission. I would, I would assume. Michigan. Right? Yeah. Michigan. And then, uh, oh, wait. Uh, and then, um, I don't know. I can't read this goddamn thing. It's not. Who cares? Yeah, We're going to see him here in a month. You know, so, maybe, maybe, but you know what the tournament though, you have, you have Portillo in Michigan, the goalie, you yeah. have, uh, Owen power. And then you have also, um, at Northeastern, you got, uh, Devin Levi and at Minnesota, you have Ryan Johnson, by the way, yep. who I read yeah. something nice about him the other day. He's, uh, like one of the hardest working players that someone's ever seen, I guess. So yep. how about that? He's still lingering out there. How many times have we traded him? <laughs> traded him a lot. And and not not no disrespect to the player. It's just that, you know, when you have a left-handed Darlene and a left-handed Owen Power and a left-handed uh, Matias Samuelson, and you look at a player that is playing exceptionally well, a former first-round draft pick, okay, and Ryan Johnson, who's playing um, some really great hockey in, in uh, division one, division one hockey. I mean, he's, he's somewhat, maybe a little bit expendable right now. He is a, ch- a trade ship. I'm going to go and back. It's good to-, to have that. That's, that's when you know that you have uh, a pipeline of players that are excellent because maybe Ryan Johnson who continues to improve his game and, and continue to get better. Someone is going to, he's going to catch someone's eye and someone's going to say, I really like this kid. Well, we Sabres, try and get him. Sabres play tonight against Pittsburgh who won big time last night against Columbus. They're soaring, man. They're second in their division right now. Rangers lost last night. They got fed by New Jersey. So you got Pittsburgh now in second place, taking on the pesky Buffalo Sabres. How concerning is that for the Rangers? Seven, what was it? Seven to three? Uh, seven, three or seven, four. Seven, four? Yeah, yeah, seven, four. I mean, seven goals against New Jersey? Come on. Rangers are supposed to, that's why I didn't pick them yesterday as my top three. And everybody's like, why are you pit, picking Pittsburgh? I'm picking Pittsburgh because they have two of the best players still in their lineup. They're loaded offensively. They have a team that has veteran leadership that's been through this before. And those guys are still playing at a high level. That's why I picked Pittsburgh. Blues spanked the Capitals five to two last night. JR said, don't pick the caps. Yeah. Caps are caps to me are, are a dying team with, uh, with older, older players. And uh, listen, I mean, you can only, you know, you're trying to stop Ovi on the power play on the one-timer side. You know, it's, a, it's if you can, they just don't score five on five. Uh, maybe a potential conference, conference final uh, matchup last night. Hurricanes beat the Lightning three to two. Three to two in regulation, too. Then you had uh, Red Wings beat the Flyers six to three. Islanders three nothing over the Senators. Game meant nothing. This was a big one. Stars beat the Oilers five to three. Flames lost to the Sharks and the Kraken beat the Coyotes and the Kings. I, I don't know. I, I gotta, we gotta look into what's going on out in LA. This Are is, they for, this is uh, without Drew Doughty also. This is without their, their, you know, star franchise defenseman. Interesting. It's interesting. I it, listen, man, it's a fascinating finish to the season, especially the West. We talked about it last week. But anyway, Sabres tonight. I look forward to that one because you know what? You got Pittsburgh on a back-to-back. And the Sabres have been playing well. Thinking maybe they can play, you know, it's not spoiler, but you know, you can try to still build some morale off a win like this, right? 
Yep. And you know what? Know what's nice about uh, this is there's been so many years, Petey, so many years, and I think there's a lot of fans that are in the same position as me. Um, there's so many years that we were near the bottom of the standings, and my thought in my head, my thought in my head the entire time was, let's just lose as many games as humanly possible so we can pick in the top five. And and my my train of thought right now moving forward is the exact opposite. I love what Kevin Adams did at the deadline. He did not move Pissick. He did not move Miller. He did not move Cody Eakin. He did not move Craig Anderson. He said to himself, I'm sticking with these older guys. There's a great vibe in this room. Let's win some games. Let's go win as many games as we can down the stretch. It's not going to be easy because teams are still, you know, vying for their playoff position. But I'll tell you, I want these guys to win as many games as humanly possible. And they're going in the right direction. But I don't care because I like what I see in this team moving forward. And I like after the game. I love watching after the game. When the goaltender lifts his arms up over his head and we see the team skate on the ice, you know what I love watching? I just love watching the smiles on the players' faces. I love how they're hugging each other and high-fiving each other and, you know, sticking each other in the nuts as they're skating off the ice and just having fun. That's what it's all about is enjoying, enjoying the hard work that you put in, you get results. And this team is starting to come together and it's a great, great sign. All right. And on that note, uh, we're going to wrap up here, but when uh, next, next episode, I want, I want to talk about, who will be the best candidates for the Hart Trophy? Because there are a few, and I have, I, have a, I have an outside shot that I think needs some serious consideration. Great chatting with you. Nothing? Awesome. That was to you. <laughs> That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at CraigRave52, at the instigator 76 you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.